always take the risk. There's no reward without the risk. Zero. That is the statement. And I, I always look for signs too, right? So like when is the right moment? It's like, is there something really, is the universe kind of taking me in that direction? And a lot of times that is exactly what happened in those sort of critical decisions for my for myself and my life. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 213 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course have some fun along the way. For today's episode 213, I am chatting with Cindy Ramirez Fulton. She is the founder of Chill House. Now, if you've never heard of Chill House before, let me give you the deets. Chill House is, let's call it a new age spa. They offer everything from facials, massages, nail and pedicure services alongside a wellness cafe. They started here in New York City. Recently, they opened an outpost over in Paris. Chill House also has their own line of products ranging from their chill tips, which are press on nails with loads of different fun designs on them to merch, to goodness, everything from facial oil and massage tools, tote bags, you name it. Lots of fun stuff on their website. That's over at chillhouse.com. I'm chatting with Cindy today, the self-proclaimed queen of chill, about all things self-care and of course, how she built the Chill House brand. She talks to me about being actually super lost in her career path, not very sure what she wanted to do after working for years and hospitality, then coming up with the concept, the idea for Chill House, what went into opening their first location on Essex Street in New York, the challenges that went hand in hand with that location, and how the business pivoted, changed, and evolved during the pandemic. We also talk about how she makes time for self-care as a relatively new mom, having her baby Hendrix over the pandemic as well. And Cindy shares a lot of really great advice for women who are in any sort of a transition, especially anyone who is looking to build something of their own from the ground up. Really loved this conversation in it. We also talk about the new Chill House collaboration with Sonos. I am obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with my Sonos Rome. It perfectly accents the Sonos system I have in my apartment and I bring it with me everywhere, like to the beach, to the park. I'm going to leave the details for that collab in the show notes, as well as all of the links so that you can check out all things chill. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you are not yet subscribed to the weekly Hurdle newsletter, which brings you all of the things you love about Hurdle, inspiration, motivation, stories, gear picks, and so much more regularly, make sure to do that by clicking on over to the show notes, click subscribe to the weekly Hurdle, and that will land in your inbox every Friday morning. Our beautiful little newsletter. (laughs) With that, 
Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Cindy Ramirez Bolton. She is the founder of Chill House. How are you doing today, Cindy? I'm pretty good. It feels like a Friday, which is nice. Thank <laughs> God. Friday. Yeah. Like my <laughs> inbox isn't like exploding. It's been, it's actually been like a pretty mellow week given everything that, you know, has been happening in the past two weeks. So I was going to say a uh, mellow week coming off of just so much happening for Chill House. First yeah. of all, small round of applause for Paris Chill House. How's it feel that their your baby is live? It's live. It's like a soft launch technically, but she's out there. She's live. People are getting services. We've had, we had a really busy Thursday yesterday. It was best deal day. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like settling, like we're settling in, you know, but it's definitely been quite the, uh, undertaking, um, like whole new, you know, <laughs> entering a whole new country. It's just like, whew. Oh my God. I feel like entrepreneurship is hard enough as it is like figuring things out on your own here in the United States, but then to translate all of those learnings and like take it international, it must've been such a beast and such a learning curve for you. Yeah. Not knowing the language, um, feeling just pretty lost when it comes to, uh, like how, you know, businesses operate out there. So, um, I had a consultant though that you know speaks English perfectly. She's actually American, but she lives out in um, in Paris now and like has is raising her family there. Her husband's French, so you know I had the I had the person to really guide me through it, which I wouldn't have I wouldn't recommend doing it like kind of cold turkey, like knowing nothing. Um, we had enough people sort of in our corner to, to guide us along the way. So that definitely took a little bit of the weight off because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of special that you recognize how lucky you are to have been able to kind of compile and lean on that team. Yeah. Does that inspire you to want to show up for people who may come to you with a lot of the same kind of questions that you had from the get-go? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't do the best job at like remembering the process, like, or like writing things down or journaling the process. But like one day I hope to write a book with all of my learnings, with everything, just kind of like reflecting on the journey, which would then hopefully allow me to, you know, pass off any sort of, you know, Intel I have on either opening up, you know, in a foreign country or like starting products or whatever it is, of course, like I would love to pass that on one day. Um, you know, for now, though, it's, it's really hard to be a mentor or to be, you know, available to my community in that capacity, just because I have I'm indebted to building this team and this team, this business, this brand. And like that is my priority. Right. Like it's more I, I have to prioritize the people that are working for me and like the 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 people that have invested in me, you know, all those individuals have to come first right now. And then I think at some point I'll flip the switch, of course, like, you know, if, if things mellow out, if like, you know, whatever happens in the future, I, I see myself for sure being, um, in some capacity, like an investor advisor, whatever it may be. I feel like that's like the next transition usually for, someone who's been in my position, but like maybe 10, 20 years from now, they're ambitious if they can do both. It's really hard. 
Yeah, no, totally. It is hard. It's hard just to make time for everything. And again, you have a lot going on. I need to also say from the get-go here, I use my Sonos Roam like every single day. So when I heard that Chill House and Sonos were going in on a partnership, I was like, this is just perfect for me. I mean, I, I love Sonos. I love anything that's portable that I can put in a bag to the beach. Like we're always on the go. So it was such a it was such a fun partnership to get in our inbox. I immediately was like, oh, my God, I have to curate playlists for this partnership because I'm such a playlist junkie. Like something that people may not realize about me is that I'm just like a big music girl in general. Like I, I'm not necessarily like up on the latest like artists and trends, but I have such a passion for music growing up it's just like it was always playing in in my house my apartment um so and i just love curating music it's kind of like that one little like creative piece that stays with me no matter what like it's like a non-negotiable i'm like i have to work on the playlist i'm sorry i can't get to your email like this is more important (laughs) but it also kind of brings me happiness and joy and it's like a time for me to sit on my on my own and like work on something that makes me happy, you know, and like that doesn't happen every day anymore, which is so sad. You know, the creativity is really hard to keep up as you grow a business. And like, it's like my one little creative piece that I just um, wanted to hang on to. So I worked on the playlist for this partnership. So that was so fun being able to kind of take inspiration from the three different Sonos, the the olive, the uh, wave and the sunset colors. Like those are very Mediterranean colors and like, you know, inspired by nature and earth and like kind of differentiating this different like vibes for those was really fun. So like the sunset, I think that was like very like, you know, like poolside, like, you know, it's like the, it's just starting to turn up, but like it's still kind of like you're you're getting feeling the buzz a little bit from that second glass of rosé kind of thing or like the second Aperol spritz. And then um, Olive is kind of like that dinner party, like we're just easing into our apps, that sort of vibe. And then Wave is like, oh, I'm just chilling, kicking back, like, you know, catching the waves, you know, surfer vibes. So that was just, I don't know, it was really fun. And like, of course, you know, coming up with cool designs and, and like taking color inspo and like making something really fun for our chill tips devotees was super fun too super fun too so are you saying that you have a hand on the music that's going on in the salon spaces as well or all of that is curated by me and i wouldn't have it any other way and i also help my husband owns bars and i help curate all of those playlists too it's a little complicated with bars curating playlists because you just never know like at what point like the the room could be really really full and then the music doesn't really line up so They've had to kind of bring on like an expert for it, but it's usually like we open up a new bar. I'm like, it's my, I'm, I'm doing the playlist. <laughs> Cindy, don't downplay your expertise here. Then bring I in know. an expert I'm not a DJ it. technically, but I think I have good taste. Good taste. Good yeah. taste. Well, so excited. And you reference in that explanation, music always being in your household growing up. Also, something that not many people may know that are listening to this is that you grew up with a mother that was also involved in the beauty space and self-care space. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about what it was like for you to grow up kind of witnessing that? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, she was such a boss and I think I immediately knew what kind of like 
you know, time and commitment it took to really run a business. And I think I was always like perplexed by it. I wasn't really sure if it was for me or not. But I think I, you know, obviously growing up in the beauty industry, I was always very like fascinated by it. My mom had a very different business than what I have and like a business that I actually really love because it's more cosmetic focus, of course. But at the time, like in my teen teenage years, in my 20s, I was like, I don't need some of the stuff that she offered. So I kind of had this perception of the spa as being for like an older woman or or someone that, you know, could kind of afford these services. And I really didn't feel like it spoke to me or my generation or even like, yeah, like my age, my, my age range, right? It just didn't really like self-care wasn't really advertised to us in any way. But I took a lot of what my mom did and kind of like reverse engineered it and like made it so that it felt like fresh and new for me and like my, you know, my friends and, you know, the people that I grew up with. And I think that's kind of where I ended up with Chill House was kind of like, you know, taking taking everything I wish my mom would have done when it comes to like the ambiance and like the branding, all of those elements that I think really would have enhanced her company, her brand, and kind of immediately like kind of leaned into that being a very important part of our brand ethos, right? Not just saying, hey, we do X, Y, and Z services, but also being like, no, we evoke something bigger than just what we do, right? We have, uh, we have meaning behind the brand. We have like just a larger mission, more of an ethos. And I think that's something that a lot of spas back in the day just didn't have. Like they were very like, you know, let's just come up with a weird, like kind of woo woo name and like, that's it, you know? And like, it's kind of just like bells and whistles in the, in the massage rooms. And that was kind of all there was to it. Of course, like the services were always stellar and you that's the number one goal, but the rest of it just didn't really add up or at least like inspired me to really like look into the industry in a serious way. I think one day it just kind of hit me and I was like, why is like no one in the spa industry making the spa feel cool and like fresh and young and modern. And like, that's kind of what happened. But yeah. So really it was like in a weird way, I was just trying to upgrade what I felt, what I wanted for my mother growing up. And like, we would just like, she's very hot-headed. I'm very hot-headed. We tried working together. It never really worked. You know, we did about <laughs> a year of me working for her and it just like, it never took. And now it's okay. You know, I think it's fine to be like, listen, we have very different ways of working and operating and like, you know, we'll just kind of let this be. Like I'm, I, I was inspired by her and her business and I, you know, took it and made it my own. Were you cognizant of, I guess I'll deem them to be the sacrifices that she was making or a lot of the grit that went into building that business as you were coming of age? Yeah, I think I was for sure. I think I was very aware of how much my mom worked to the point where I resented it. You know, I would see like so many other parents having like normal nine to, nine to fives. And I was like, why, why am I not with you? I'm always with my nanny and things like that. And I definitely am cognizant of that now with Hendrix, like the fact that we're able to semi work from home, like I'm around Mondays and Fridays and like, I'm always visible to any, like, that's so important. Whereas like my mom was out of the house, you know, from 9am to 9pm. Like it was, it was hours without seeing her. Sometimes I go to sleep and not even get to see her. Right. So yeah, I think I always, of course now reflecting back, like everything she sacrificed to 
you know, make a life for us. And, and basically everything that she has worked for is kind of bottled up into one sort of piece of real estate that she ha- owns now, but she, you know, saved up her entire life for this, like one, her dream apartment in Midtown. And then we eventually sold it. And now she has another one. And it's like, it's all wrapped up in this, like, immigrant story where she worked her ass off, you know, six days a week, 12 hour days to own one little thing that she can pass off to me or Hendrix, you know? And so of course it's like, I am like indebted to that, to my mom's grit and her story and, and her commitment to seeing that through. Like she was determined to make sure she had something that she could pass off, you know? And that's so admirable. So admirable. And you talk about kind of realizing that there was this hole, so to speak, in the market, but we haven't covered that you yourself didn't just stumble into this place where you were like, from the get-go, a no-brainer entrepreneur. Like You kind of had to find your way a little bit when it came to business. So tell us a little bit about how you got to the point, even right before you really started to put pen to paper on what Chill House would be. My entrepreneurship journey was, it's very nonlinear. It was very just weirdly, I ended up in this little zigzaggy road that ended, you know, put me in this lane. I want to say, so a little bit of my background, I guess, when I came to the city, I immediately, like I'm from Queens. I came to the city when I was 17 years old and I immediately fell into hospitality. I also went to college for, I went to fashion uh, school, fashion college uh, for marketing. And because I was also working in hospitality and like making like a really good living in hospitality and working crazy hours, I just wasn't like really committed to my education. And so I knew I wanted to maybe end up in fashion or beauty or in something, some sort of lifestyle industry that I really loved and like, you know, was passionate about. But I also had, was tempted by this like nightlife world that I, you know, was really gravitating towards whether it be because I was making a really good living or because I was having a really good time partying like in the 20 in my 20s you know I was actually doing really well in the hospitality space and I think because of that I just sort of just stopped going to school to classes like I didn't make it in time I was you know working till like 2 a.m some days even three and then like trying to get what three hours of sleep and then going to class at like 7 or 8 a.m it was exhausting and I, it was very very hard on my body and also like a lot of my 20s was really hard on my body we can get to that later but working at nightlife for so long I think eventually of course there's like a burnout period, right? Your body can only handle so many years of it. Um, Physically, you're just like always on your feet. You're always moving, literally shaking. I was a bartender at one point for many years. And, you know, just the physical aspect of, of it is not necessarily like healthy on your body, at least not mine. And I, yeah, by the time I was like 25, 26, I was like, I can't, this is like, I'm not going anywhere. I didn't know what, I didn't know where I was going in life. Like truly was like at this roadblock where I was like, where do I go from here? I have nothing to show for my, like I did nothing in my twenties. I maybe I did one internship with Stuart Weizman. I didn't graduate. Um, and I have all these like random, you know, bartending and, and like waitressing jobs that employers don't give a shit about. Right. So I felt very, very stuck. And I was also a little proud, like too proud to start from the bottom. Cause I was like, I feel like I don't like, 
I, I don't feel like I should start from the bottom, right? I was like, no, like, I, I know people. I should be able to get some sort of job. But, like, literally it was crickets trying to get anyone to, like, respond to my uh, job applications. Like, absolute crickets. So I was like, I think I should just, I don't know, just start over and get an internship. And even internships were hard to get. And finally, I got like a really good response from this one internship that I was really excited about. And that's usually when when I tell my story, that's kind of like my turning point in my career was like landing this internship that then became, became this full-time job. And to date, it's been my only full-time career job that I've ever had. Now I employ myself, but... uh it was the only time I've ever had like an actual corporate employer. And even then it was just, it was me, her, and like a couple of other people. Like the company never was any, any bigger than five, six people, but I was at the top and I learned everything. I was literally her right hand. And it was a really interesting company that I, I really was able to dive into both uh, business development. So understanding how to grow business financially, you know, acquiring uh, clients, all of that. And then at the same time, helping with brand and social and event planning. And so it was super hands-on um, when it came to both sides of really running a company. And I learned like so much of what I know now was from that experience. And I think two years in, it was another sort of crossroads moment where I was like, okay, she had to let me go. Like the company just wasn't where it was financially. And we just like had to part ways. And we, uh, my husband and I, I was like, I, I don't know where to go from here. Like what, what should I do? And I think we just kind of, um, like I took a step back and, and realized what I wanted to be and where I wanted to take my career. And I, I think I, I landed on, I wanted to be my own, you know, uh, my own boss and, run my own company. And, um, we started this like random sort of like influencer agency. Um, that was kind of like my first job. And then simultaneously I had a blog called taste of style and that blog was sort of this, um, like I revived it from like what I had when I was 22 years old, like pre like infatuation, pre eater, pre all those sites. I had like a tiny little blog called taste of style. My husband was like, I used to read it all the time. I was like, I had like five readers like a month. Like, <laughs> it was good though. You you like give good restaurant recommendations and you should really tie in your personal style. And I was like, all right, let's try it. So I was doing both of those at one point and they were fine. You know, they were like very like lifestyle businessy type companies that they weren't really bringing in much money at all. Um, so I think at one point my husband was like starting to open up all these bars and I was very much involved as well. And I was kind of getting the itch of like, having either a physical space or just something else. Like I, I did, I felt like I hit a, another wall with taste of style and like these more like small businesses. And I, I wasn't growing, I wasn't growing with them. And it, it all kind of like the pieces started falling together basically with chill house. You know, I, I was like, okay, this plus this plus this, this is my, this is my calling, you know, just it, so it was like a culmination of things that just kind of like came together. Can we double click quickly before we keep moving on? Because you said, and we can talk a little bit about this, the perhaps manifestation of all of the stress and uncertainty and hard work on your body and how that was detrimental for you in your 20s. Yeah, I think there is uh, like a burnout period, like I said, with hospitality and like my husband and I, like, 
bunch of my friends like to joke that like anyone that worked in hospitality and like the heyday and like you know the the early 2000s and like the t- 2010s are now in like the wellness space like <laughs> I-, I can like rattle off like a bunch of big influencers that you know that like used to work as bottle waitresses or bartenders and like now they're full-blown like wellness junkies or like they don't drink or blah 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 so that is such a thing because it just your body takes such a toll and you have to like revert in the complete opposite direction i i'm not like a hardcore wellness junkie i think i just really wanted to step away from you know my husband still owns bars so we're still in the nightlife business but i think i needed personally to step away from like the grind a little bit even not knowing that chill house would be one of the you know the most uh chaotic businesses for me but but I think I wanted to create a space that um I can escape while I was inside too you know I I could really like close my eyes and soak in the experience and you know I still to this day when I get a service I really try to act like the customer like I I and I always tell everyone like please don't like treat me like the customer and like don't ask me questions afterwards like I want to feel the full experience because it is you know the perk of the job or at least I try to get it to be the perk of the job <laughs> um, but yeah I think and also like another part of one of the reasons that I think it all hit us is you know because we were going to uh brunches and like I feel like New Yorkers like our life is centered around food and drinking like eating and drinking eating and drinking and I just wish there was I wanted there to be a place that you can also kind of like easily kind of like work into your routine you weren't going to drink and you were probably going to detox and you're probably going to do something good for yourself and that's what chill house is like essentially like down to the t and you say you realize that this was the intersection of different things that you felt passionate about this was your big idea someone listening to this hears that and they're like cool but like how did you just make it happen like where did you get the know-how to just create this thing so where did you get the know-how and how did you make it happen I'm, I'm lucky that I had you know my husband at my disposal and his partners and we basically used a little bit of that blueprint um he had the know-all on like of course, building out spaces and permitting and negotiating leases and all of that. And then on the other side on fundraising, um, we already had, you know, two successful venues to kind of show for what we were capable of. And obviously this is a very different business. We thought we were going to like, you know, be able to sort of fundraise in a similar capacity and turned out it wasn't, they're not very similar businesses at all, but we had, a little bit of that credibility, I think, you know, fortunately having had a couple of successful bars that we can then kind of go out to some of our angel investors from those bars and, and ask if they were be, be interested in, in chill house. And, you know, it, it wasn't, we were learning as we go, as we went though, with everything, even like down to the industry, because we didn't really come from a nail background and the nail industry is very like, that's its own industry, right? The massage world, it's its own world even like the cafe world, that's its own beast. So we brought in a lot of experts in all the different areas of, uh, of chill house. We had someone help us with the cafe and the beverage program. We had someone help us, um, build out the massage program and help us hire and staff. And like, then eventually I identified that every department needs leads. And I think that was very 
helpful as well because I can't possibly pretend to be, you know, understand how to do the perfect manicure. Like I'm learning as I go, um, especially in the beginning years. So it wasn't, it was ambitious, I'd say, but it was like, we were really like researching as we were building this company, as we were building this business plan. It was very much like looking at other businesses and how do they do it? What are their prices? You know, what do they pay their staff? Like what, what are all these, you know, the answers to all these questions. And it was very much like Googling, asking our friends. It's interesting, right? Because it's one thing to pull inspiration in the categories that you just threw down, like pricing and like, what are their offerings and stuff like that. But then you were able to come into the picture and bring your own spin on everything from a branding and execution POV. They say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But I know for a fact that early on, once you started pioneering this quote unquote, more modern spa, that people saw what you were doing and they were like well we should be doing something like this <laughs> yes um it's funny <laughs> people like love to think of us as innovators and i i do think we are in pioneers like but you know essentially we just put like a modern spin on like something that felt hard and true and i guess that is what innovation is but it wasn't like we weren't necessarily like changing um like technology or anything like that. But so it was always really interesting when, um, yeah, we had like a couple of copycat cats pop up and that that's not fun, but you know, you try to just kind of go, it's okay. Like when you're there first, it's kind of like, why even get worked up over people that come after? Right. And like, I, I genuinely come from a place of like, um, I don't believe in like true competition. I believe in like maybe healthy competition. I really don't like to be like catty when it comes to people, you know, doing similar products or doing similar things. Like, I think we're all in it, hopefully in it to win it. We can share resources, we can share information. And I think that's, that's the way to hopefully, you know, get, get to the top is by not withholding information from each other and, and really helping each other out. taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Gooder. Gooder is the maker of my go-to sunglasses that are no bounce, polarized, no slip, all fun. They literally have what feels like a zillion different shapes and styles for every single taste, ranging from super bright and fun frames in purple and red to more sleek frames that you'll catch me wearing everywhere from the track to running out to lunch with friends. My go-to style personally called the Operation Blackout. Think of it as an oversized Aviator. Listen, summer, the perfect time to up your sunglass game. And the best thing about Gooders, aside from the fact that they will not budge from your face, is that they start at just $25. Plus, hurdle listeners, you know I have a deal for you. Get 15% off your order today by heading on over to gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle and use code hurdle15 at checkout. Again, that is gooder.com slash hurdle. Use code hurdle15 at checkout for 15% off your order today. So what would you say 
were your biggest takeaways from the first location that you opened on Essex? I'd say, again, more, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to translate to everyone and anyone that's listening, but like for us, our biggest issue there was that we didn't have enough space. I think Mm. we got really ambitious with the size of the space and sort of this um, like innovating how, how uh, these services should be um, laid out. Um, and, and just like the, the footprint of the space itself was like more open format. And of course it was like way too loud to have a massage back there, but then, you know, the cafe in the front, so we had to build a wall and then it was the, uh, the health department came and they're like, you can't have like, uh, polishes right by the cafe. And we're like, well, there's nothing that says we can. They're like, you just can't like we're saying it. And so, you know, there are things that sometimes uh rules aren't written yet a lot of times for for certain businesses right to kind of follow and adhere to and like we did something that was kind of ballsy and like without asking anyone's permission and then of course it like backfired on us you know it's kind of like people say what you like don't ask don't ask don't tell kind of thing right where if you don't ask like to see what happens don't ask for permission ask for forgiveness but Sometimes, you know, you can't even ask for forgiveness and then it it bites you in the ass. And I think that's what happened with us a little bit in that space. It was just a tough space in general from the get go. I'm really happy where we are now. We ended up in a 3,200 square foot, more lofty space in Soho West. Um, It's a little off the beaten path, which is kind of nice because we're a destination business anyway. So we don't really need like the foot traffic per se. It'd be nice for the cafe, but it's not, it wasn't necessary where I thought it used to. Like, I thought it was more important back when we opened. Um, And yeah, it's like we're actually able to breathe a little bit. Like we have, you know, sometimes very cluttered, but, you know, we have like a back of house where we can store a ton of stuff and like our team can actually sit down on like a nice plush couch and like have take a break. Like those things were not things that we prioritize with the first space that, of course, we had to make sure we we did goodbye the next time around. I would also say that this is like a prime example of just doing the best you can with what you have. Like you didn't know all of the things that you might eventually have to ask for forgiveness for. You didn't know how the layout would play out. But again, you just did the best you could with the scenario and the pieces that were in front of you. And the resources, we raised a very, very small amount of money considering what the project was. And it was a it was a small concept, really, that kind of like was well received and sort of exploded. Like, I think digitally, like people thought it was like a much bigger space and they would show up and be like, that's it. Like, it's so tiny or like it just didn't live up to expectations, I think. And I was like always so embarrassed because I think when you first walked, when you first got to Chill House, like pre walls, pre anything, pre like clutter and like all this stuff, it just felt very open and like, like airy and light and felt like, I don't know, it felt like a little like respite meets like California Venice vibes in the dead smack in the middle of like the concrete jungle and then it just felt chaotic at one point i was like Mm. i don't this is not this is not what we originally built and i was like we gotta go like you know and so we it was just it was the right decision we we ended up turning the space into like a face and body studio to kind of just down downsize the amount of things that we had going on in the space 
while we had the flagship location. And then, of course, COVID happened. And then we decided to just save flagship, get rid of face and body. And it was the best decision we ever made. Talk to me about the best part of COVID for your business. Ooh, um, having a little bit of downtime to focus on product, I'd say, you know, it was um, it was kind of this weird blessing in disguise where uh, having a brick and mortar space just requires a lot of um, time and energy for a founder. And of course, like as it should, but it was really hard for me and my husband to be able to get past, get to that next level of um, growing the brand, which was like, you know, launching these products. So we actually were able to put our heads down, get things done um, and finalize like our first sort of like hero products, which are our tips. And they have now they're like, you know, to this day, I think it was one of those sort of blessings in disguise for us where like, wow, I, I don't know. <laughs> like we've been, we'd be in a very different place had we have not launched tips, I'd say, you know, I, I don't know what the future would have held for us. So they kind of saved us. I mean, I'm sure you hear this all the time. I have never been successful with any sort of other press on ever, 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 except chill tips. And they stay for like a while. Yes, they do. I know. I have people that are like, oh my God, I have to get my nail tech to soak them off. I'm like, wait, hold on. We got to discuss that. Maybe you're putting on too much glue. But like a lot of people, um, they last like up to three weeks on some people. Me, I know how to like get them to come off easily. But yeah, they're they've changed my life. Like, and I'm not in the business of like telling people to not go to the nail salon. Obviously I own one and I, I want people to still go to their nail techs. Cause I think nail techs are like therapists, but like for me, it's been a game changer. Cause I personally am always like, I have no time, blah, blah, blah. And like, I know I can always grab my box. It takes me 10 minutes. That's it. And it's like part of my like getting ready routine now. For you building this business, talk to me about maybe what your self-care routine or just like sporadic self-care used to look like versus now, again, at the top of this podcast, we talked about a chill house in a different country. You've got product, you've got a flagship, you are just expanding rapidly. You've got the Sonos partnership. Like what does self-care look like for Cindy today? Um... Oh God, you know, I'm not like incredible at, um, routine other than just like my, like the critical stuff. Right. Because it's always, I have to be available to the business, you know, at any given moment. So it's really hard for me to be like, I'm going to do like three hours of a spa day today and it's a Tuesday or I'm going to like, yes, I pencil those in. Like I get my monthly massages. I'll get like my bi-monthly facials. I uh, get, you know, a pedicure every three weeks. I'll sometimes get those like sporadic sort of services like lymphatic drainage or, you know, whatever makes me feel a little bit less like anxious is really what I try to prioritize. And like sometimes a lot of it for me is like gut and like you know, feeling unbalanced. And like, I think, so whatever it takes for me to kind of offset that anxiousness, I, I do prioritize, but it's not necessarily like, um, an everyday ritual. I think for me, it's very important to like wake up and show up and be with my son. Like that's number one. And like have that moment with him and, and breakfast and like that hour of family time and then kind of like dive right into work or go to the gym or, you know, whatever it is that my day looks like. Um, I've been trying to work out with a trainer a little bit more and like do more Pilates, like, but I'm, I'm not like 
hardcore committed um, because, you know, I think the nature of the game is right now to always um, be a little bit available to the business. I and mean, we're just like at such a critical time in our life, in our, you know, in our journey. Um, but I try, I like, I think it's really important to add things to your calendar and just like make it like official, you know, I don't just like kind of like float through the day. I like have like very committed plans and how I like schedule in my self-care. Yeah. That word committed is interesting because you're saying like, I'm not hardcore committed to always integrating Pilates or, you know, I'm trying to work with, work with a trainer, but you are committed to something else, which takes priority over these other things. And I think so often when it comes to different aspects of our overall well-being, whether it's movement or meditation or self-care or like making time for a therapist, like we feel as though we should literally be doing everything every week, all of the time. And you've got to find the things that work for you. Yeah. I mean, you can literally fill up your day on just taking care of yourself if you really wanted to. Right. Like, I think I saw this TikTok one time that I, I laughed really laugh at, loud at. And it was like a model. She was like, what do I do in a day? And it was just like her taking care of herself all day. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that must be nice. Um, it's a full time job if you really want it to practice self-care in, in like uh, a way that's very holistic. Right. It's it's mind, it's body, it's beauty, it's it's physical, all of those different elements, um, which is also like kind of bringing it back to Paris a little bit. Um, what I really love about the galleries Lafayette partner uh, partnership is that they are thinking about all of those different elements of self-care and you could spend a day there, which is kind of back to the point. It's like, you could just be like, this is my life. I'm going to do this every day. And that's nice. Um, but that's not realistic. And so it is very much about doing what, um, what works for you in that moment. If your body is what's really like yearning help, like that's more important. If it's your mind, seek out a therapist, seek out some alone time, read a book, whatever it is to kind of take you away from the the hardships that you may be going through. And so for me, it like, it ebbs and flows. Like some, some weeks, I, my mind is racing. My anxiety is through the roof. My, you know, my personal life is, a little like shook up, you know? And so that I prioritize time with my family, time with my friends, like, you know, and then other times it's my body and my like have to go to like, I don't know, acupuncture because like my back is fucked up. So like I literally pulled my back like three months ago and oh. I had like a whole month of trying to rehab it. So yeah, it's, you know, every month is different and that's okay, you know, but also like finding those little pockets of like, this is a routine and this is like a non-negotiable part of my day. And why do you think setting the non-negotiables is important? I guess the broader question is, why would you, the quote unquote queen of chill, tell someone to prioritize their own self-care? I think the non-negotiable routine part is so important to not entering the day chaotically, you know? And, and it is to me so much about how you start your day, like make your bed, drink that glass, glass of water, take your supplements, you know, those little moments that set you up for success are super, super important in how you actually like your day goes. If you don't show up like feeling good, then how do you expect the day to go well? Right. So that is like, 
if you can, right? Not every day is going to go off like, you know, sometimes I wake up to like chaos in my inbox and I have to handle it right away. But I always make sure I kind of go back to to settling in and like, you know, not feeling like that's how I'm going to take, want the day to go. <laughs> yeah. Chaotic but, inbox plus like chaotic baby equals just. Yeah. Well, I'm also <laughs> like, now I wake up at seven and, you know, uh, Paris is uh, by seven o'clock there at 1 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they've already had their a whole day. I'm like, <laughs> what's happening? One other child to take care of. One other child to take care exactly. of. How does it feel for you? I mean, going back, I just like referenced, you know, the nickname, the queen of chill. How does it feel for you to somewhat be a little bit at like the center of your business? Like people think of chill house and they think of Cindy Ramirez Fulton. Like, do you feel any extra pressure being that center figure? A little bit. And I don't always want to be. Yeah. I don't know that I love the attention as much as it may seem like I think at one point I, I love the attention and then now I don't love the attention and I'm trying to figure out what's best for my business and then I just kind of you know refocus and and like then say all right I guess I have to like go out and do more press or like I have to you know whatever it is that really helps the business I think is kind of, kind of where I um where I land but I would love for one day for the business to not even like for my name or my face to not even be associated to it. I think that would be really cool. Like, I, I don't know, like Nike, I don't think about, you know, Phil Knight. Like I, yeah. there are so many brands that you don't necessarily like, they become so much bigger than the founder. Right. Like that's what my hope is for chill house is like, I kind of like evaporate into the, to the ether, <laughs> to, to, to the backspace, to the backstage. Yeah. And like other people can come forward and like, you know, showing my team off more as they become more comfortable with that. And like, I don't know, I think that would be, that would be really fun. But I also feel like, I mean, to kind of get even deeper with this, there have probably been stuff or events within your personal life that have made being a quote unquote public facing human a little bit more difficult. I remember just last year and here, like even me saying this to you as someone where this is technically like the first time that you and I have sat down and had a conversation. I remember last year or I'm like, what year are we in? What's going on? After you had Hendrix and you were like trying to get back into feeling good in your body, like you're a forward facing person and you're feeling iffy in your body, but you still have to show up on social media and it's just like sticky. Yeah, it took me a long time to actually feel like myself again. I think postpartum is is real and um, your body goes through literally you're like a punching bag <laughs> for this child. Um, and it's fine. You do it out of love because, you know, it's what you have to do and you kind of suck it up. And but it yeah, like it, comparing yourself to other people that maybe are like five years into postpartum and they're so skinny or like even like people that just came out of postpartum. I know there were like a couple of people I'm friends with even that like looked amazing after they had their child. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why did, why, what happened to me? Why is my experience different? And it's just really, really sucks. And like, so yeah, exactly. To your point, like having to show up and put your face out there, being on social media, like doing, I don't know, having to go to events and like not feeling like you are dressed well enough or, or like, you know, you didn't get a minute to get your hair blown out because you're too swamped with work. Like that's always my biggest thing. I'm always like, Oh my God, like I want to be out there socializing, putting my face out there for the sake of chill house, of course. But it's also like a lot of work to, to 
being like a proper public figure, like looking like a movie star, like doing all this stuff. I'm like, I don't have the energy to do all that. I literally complained about it the other day on my on my uh, stories because I realized it was like two days. I was two days away from flying out to Paris and I had like no outfit for my photo shoot for like my, my story. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? I have like nothing to wear. I don't know where I'm going to get my hair done. Like all those things. Right. I guess that's why people have assistants. <laughs> I guess that, I guess this all makes sense now. I remember when I sat down with Jacqueline Johnson, she was telling me about like the early days of create and cultivate. And she would be like, I'm running around, like trying to put on this like 600 person convention. Right. And someone oh like She's pulled me to the beast. side and was like, maybe you should try to like make yourself look a little better than you do right now. And she's like, Oh, okay. Like I see how, I see how this works now and it's stressful. Well, she always (laughs) looks amazing. She always looks incredible at her conferences, but yeah, exactly. She's like focused on the bigger picture here, but then you're exactly, you're the host. You have to look presentable. You have to look, you have to look like you're the star of the show and that in itself is stressful. Yeah. And like, we always have to look fabulous, even though we're fucking grinding and like in our computers all day. Like, no, thank you. I'm sorry. I I hate that culture. It's so annoying, but I have to play the role sometimes for sure. (laughs) So now everyone really knows how you feel. Yeah. No, (laughs) yes. I don't love it. I look kind of cute today because I I was like, whatever, I'm on camera, but. You do look cute. You do look cute. Okay. So tell us, I mean, again, I will list off the laundry list of amazing things that are going on, but what really like has you excited right now? Um, obviously like just making sure Paris like looks its best. We're still finalizing some things and I'm going to go back there in September. So I'm really excited to maybe host like a little influencer gathering, but we also just have so many exciting products in our pipeline, which I'm like I'm like obsessed with these products and they've been my like little brain child's brain children for uh like over a year now and so you know these things take a lot of time and and effort so it's it's kind of like a little nerve-wracking to to kind of put them out there so we're we're getting there though I'd say like in August we're really gonna finalize um a couple of like campaigns for these products and put them out into the universe And for someone who may be unfamiliar, outside of the chill tips, what other kinds of products do you guys currently sell? Yeah. Our whole thing is being able to now sort of bring the spa experience to your home. So it's kind of like these at-home self-care treatments. Um, So we say like we're available in New York, Paris, and in your home. We really want to be to somehow recreate what we do at Chill House and like put it in a package and like be like, here you go. Like, now kind of, you know, take care of yourself, right? Whether that's in your bathroom um, or like, you know, we may sit on your vanity, maybe in your pantry one day or on your coffee table, like with a candle, you know, we really want to be available to you anywhere in your home and within your um, routine, I'd say. So, but I think the next big category for us is body. So you'll be seeing a lot more from the body, um, from chill house body. And then as well as different nail products as well. Really fun things that you like definitely will want it to use every day. And I know you're probably inundated in your DMS all the time about places that people want to see brick and mortar chill house properties. How (laughs) do you feel about that? Is something that, is that something that will actually happen in the future? What can you say? 
Um, I like to say never say never for sure. I am a big brick and mortar girl. I love retail. I love physical space and experience. I, I love experience. I think chill house is a very complex business. I think people probably are like, Oh, just like open up here. It's like, ah, very hard to stop. <laughs> like you want to make sure everyone's properly trained and it's, it's, you know, it's not like as easy as like snapping your fingers. And I'm not saying product is easy too. I think it's like, they're all very, very complicated in their own way, but I want to be mindful of where we open, where our customer is, our fan base is. And definitely I can see a few more in the future, but I don't, we're not necessarily trying to be like a dry bar where we're like, you know, I'll in say every major city. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I would I would say maybe, who knows, maybe every major city one day, and that's, you know, limiting us to just a couple more locations. You never know. Um, never but I know. do feel like for me, opening up multiple in one city is not like in my cards personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, before I let you go, want to uh, rewind a little bit and double click on that time in your life where you did feel a little bit like you were trying to find your footing after getting out of working in hospitality and trying to figure out where you were going to go in your career. I'm sure many women listening to this right now can certainly relate to this feeling, especially the, you know, hesitancy and, uh, you know, nerves that go hand in hand with being like, am I actually going to start over right now? So for someone who that really resonates with, what advice do you have for them about moving forward? I always like to say, if you don't try, then how will you even know kind of thing? You know, it's, I think so many people have this fear of the unknown, of course, as they should, but at the same time, they also have experience in whatever it is that they're trying to leave clearly because they have comfort. They, they find comfort in that, that experience or whatever that job was that they had for so long. And so I always say like, go for it. And like, if it doesn't work out, you always have a safety net because you have come from a place of, you know, some sort of level of expertise enough that you're very scared to leave that job to start something else. Right. Because you obviously have some sort of comfort in that. So, always take the risk. There's no reward without the risk. Zero. That is the statement. And I always look for signs too. Right. So like, when is the right moment? It's like, is there something really, is the universe kind of taking me in that direction? And a lot of times that is exactly what happened in those sort of critical decisions for my, for myself, and my life. For yourself and your life. All right, Cindy, right now, if someone wants to go to your Instagram, they see, again, that quote, the queen of chill, a founder with over 65,000 followers. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Oh, my God. That's such a hard question. I don't know. I see someone like very different than like the young girl I, I used to be. I think I finally see a woman that's confident in like in what she's doing um, in the life she's created for herself. Um, and I'm very proud of that woman, but it's really funny to look at myself in the mirror now and like, think about who I was in my twenties, like, you know, had no direction, had no, um, had no experience really. And kind of like floated through life. And I'm, you know, very proud of the life I've built and where I am now. I have an amazing husband, amazing son and a business that, people really love and enjoy. Um, so what else can I ask for? Um, just hope that our health and everything else is aligns with that. 
health, wealth, and time to enjoy. That's what my grandfather used to say to me when I was little. Definitely would love more wealth and more time to enjoy. More time to enjoy. All right. Final question. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself one piece of advice. I feel like you just hinted at some of it, but one piece of advice looking back on the very beginning of your business, a time that was of such flux and a lot of many hurdle moments, what do you tell yourself? I don't know. I think I can answer that in two different ways. I think I'm going to keep it really simple and just say like, it'll all work out. Like take a breath, take a beat, follow your gut. Like, don't worry. This time will pass. I I, kind of want to think about like for my mind is going to 2020 just because, you know, that was just obviously the most insane um, time in any of our lives. But um, especially given the fact that I was like, you know, having a baby that year, there was just so much up in the air. And like, the only thing I can do is like stress out because I didn't know what our future looked like. And I think now if I were to give myself any advice, it'd be like, don't worry, things come out on the other side. It's not as, you know, uh, detrimental as, you know, society may make it feel in this moment. I think, everything will cool off and level out and the playing field will like sort itself out. Um, I would probably say that to myself so that I, I'd avoid a lot of tears and, and anxiety. <laughs> what will be, will be Cindy. I'm so grateful that we were able to make this happen. How do the hurdlers follow along with you if they don't yet? How do they keep up with chill house? Give us all of the information. Uh, pretty simple. We have at chill house, chillhouse.com at Cindy Ramirez. That's it. That's it. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.